Hello and welcome to this episode of By His Word. I am your host and teacher, Candy Carmichael. This lesson today will be the conclusion of the series on time and eternity. We have traced eternity past before the creation of our universe, the fall of Lucifer, the creation of Earth, and Earth's history up until the current discussion of the coming millennial reign of Christ. From the moment of man's creation, he has been living in time, limited amounts of existence for all living things and for the present universe itself. But God lives outside of time, since he has always been and always will be. When the millennial reign ends, time as we know it now will cease to exist. Last week's episode ended with the beginning of the millennium. The Battle of Armageddon was won by the appearance of Jesus returning from heaven to the Mount of Olives. This mountain split in two when his feet touched it, and a vast plain was created. The earth itself is in total devastation from the seven years of judgment and destruction that occurs during the rule of the Antichrist and the years that lead to his ultimate control. But now the Antichrist and his associate, the false prophet, are in the lake of fire. Satan and his demonic hordes are imprisoned in the bottomless pit, and Jesus has established his throne in Jerusalem. He has appointed his saints over every region on earth to help him rule during this time. The massive job of cleanup from the war has begun. This is the time when all of the kingdoms of the earth become the kingdoms of Christ, and he sets up his headquarters in Jerusalem. As discussed last week, he will rule the nations with a rod of iron. Even though the survivors of the tribulation who did not take the mark will be permitted to live during this time in their fleshly bodies, they do not have the new natures and bodies given to those who were saved under the old covenant and to the church. Their potential for sin and rebellion against God is still there. Since the devil is no longer present during this time, no one can say, the devil made me do it. David, the son of Jesse, was a shepherd who became famous for his psalms and for slaying Goliath, the giant of the Philistines. He eventually became the, dis- the second king of Israel after being anointed by the prophet Samuel when David was just a teenager. David united the kingdoms of Judah and Israel and became king over all of Israel. He ruled for a total of 40 years. Because David had a tender conscience and was quick to repent after doing wrong, he was known as a man after God's own heart, according to 1 Samuel 13, verse 14. God promised that David and his descendants would be established on the throne of Israel forever. Of course, David did not know at that time that one of his descendants would be Jesus, who would rule the earth from Jerusalem for all eternity. Nathan the prophet gave David this prophecy, And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever, 2 Samuel 7.16. Jeremiah prophesies the future tribulation period. Ask now and see whether a man is ever in labor with child. So why do I see every man with his hands on his loins like a woman in labor, and all faces turn pale? Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it, and it is the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. For it shall come to pass in that day, says the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from your neck and will burst your bonds. Foreigners shall no more enslave them, but they shall serve the Lord their God and David their king, whom I will raise up for them. Jeremiah 30, verses 6 to 9. Obviously, David will be resurrected during the time of the millennium to reign with Christ in Jerusalem. All of the remnant of Israel that was saved out of the tribulation now recognized Jesus as the Messiah and David as the king who was established forever. The prophet Ezekiel further proclaims this. 
I will establish one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them, my servant David. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David, a prince among them, I, the Lord, have spoken, Ezekiel 34, 23, and 24. Then they shall dwell in the land that I have given to Jacob, my servant, where your father dwelt, and they shall dwell there, they and their children and their children's children forever, and my servant David shall be their prince forever, Ezekiel thirty-seven twenty-five. Jesus will be the overall king over the entire earth, but David will rule with Christ in Jerusalem. Because Jesus was born of the lineage of David through his mother Mary, he had the right to the throne of David, which God established. Now Gabriel gave Mary this message. Behold, you shall conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Luke 1, 31-33. One of the main reasons the Jews at the time of Jesus rejected him is that they wanted Jesus to be the king then and free them from the domination of the Romans. But the time for Jesus to reign on earth would not be for a very long time. His mission was to establish an invisible kingdom that was spiritual and yet would eventually develop into an earthly kingdom where he would reign supreme as the ruler and his saints would rule with him over various regions. This time had finally arrived with the advent of the millennium. The Jewish people had suffered great loss during the tribulation, as foretold by the prophet Zechariah. And it shall come to pass in all the land, says the Lord, that two-thirds in it shall be cut off and die, but one-third shall be left in it. I will bring the one-third through the fire and will refine them as silver is refined and test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say, this is my people, and each one will say, the Lord is my God. Zechariah 14, 8 and 9. The rallying cry of the Palestinian people today as they cry against the Jews is, from the river to the sea, Palestine shall be free. In their minds, the land between the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea, which is the current state of Israel, is to be conquered and given to them. What they do not realize is that God has God himself has outlined the borders of his promise of land to Abraham by designating another river as the eastern border. This river is the Euphrates River, which runs through the nation of Iraq, Genesis 15:18. An even more detailed description of the boundaries is found in Numbers 34, 1-13. During the millennium, the land originally promised to Abraham by God will stretch from the Nile River in Egypt to the Euphrates River in Iraq. From north to south, the land that is now Iraq and Syria will belong to Israel as well as all of Jordan and Lebanon and the northeast corner of Egypt. As mentioned earlier, the ancient feasts of the Lord will be reestablished and the nations will be required to observe them. During this 1,000-year reign, the earth will be repopulated with hundreds of millions of people who will be living in fleshly bodies. They will experience the same things that people experience now, sickness, accidents, pain, and a fleshly, carnal nature prone to sin. Even though Jesus himself is ruling on the earth and saints with glorified bodies like Jesus are also ruling, there will be the tendency to succumb to the fleshly nature. This will be stopped before any harm comes to others or to the environment since Jesus rules with a rod of iron. 
Isaiah describes the coming millennial kingdom in this way. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem as a rejoicing and her people a joy. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. The voice of weeping shall be no longer heard in her, nor the voice of crying. No more shall an infant from from there live but a few days, nor an old man who has not fulfilled his days. For the child shall die one hundred years old, but the sinner, being one hundred years old, shall be accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of a tree, so shall be the days of my people, and my elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth children or trouble, for they shall break for they shall be the descendants of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. It shall come to pass that before they call I will answer, and while they are yet speaking I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will feed together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox, and the dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountains, says the Lord. Isaiah 65, 18-25 For the first time in her history, Israel will be dwelling safely in her land with no enemies to attack her. There will be no global scorn from the nations, no guards, no quarrels over land, no pagan idols that try to draw her away from God. The fear of man and the shame of being Jewish has been forever removed. Now Israel and the Jewish people are exalted among the nations, and the Jews finally realize that Jesus really was their promised Messiah. The removal of Satan and his hordes has resulted in great peace, even though human nature among the survivors of the tribulation and their descendants is still dominant. Worship of the Lord is mandatory, but not all hearts will be in voluntary compliance. The peace even extends to the animal kingdom. Animals that would be natural enemies to other animals or to humans will not harm anyone. They will lie down together and even allow themselves to be approached by humans. It would appear from these passages that miscarriages and early infant deaths will be eliminated, at least among the Jewish people. An interesting phrase is the statement that a sinner being 100 years old during this time will be accursed. It is not known whether a person living in this age or to this age without accepting the Lord and being genuinely converted will be allowed to live or if he will suffer some type of illness or infirmity. Isaiah gives a further description of this golden age of man's history. The wolf also will dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear will graze, their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Isaiah 11, 6-9 During no other time in history will it be easier to know the Lord and to be safe for eternity than during the millennium. Not only is Jesus himself living and reigning on earth, but billions of born-again believers with glorified bodies and natures will give testimony to the great benefits of being servants of the Lord. At any time, they will be 
there will be unhindered opportunity to be saved. There will be no devil or demons, no false religious ideologies. There will be no excuse for not becoming an enthusiastic believer in Jesus Christ. But at the end of the millennium, the final test of genuine conversion will begin with the last battle the earth will ever have. Up until this time, there has been complete peace and a global knowledge of Jesus Christ. Those who profess to have been saved during this time have never experienced the temptations and harassment of Satan and his demons that everyone else in the years of man has on the earth. So God will test those professing believers to see if their loyalty and change of heart is genuine. Now when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison. He will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. They went up on the breadth of the, of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Revelation 27-10 While the bottomless pit while in the bottomless pit, chained and falling end over end for a thousand years, Satan had no concept of time. The pit is most likely dark and perhaps narrow and jagged, causing pain as he clashes, crashes into the sides of it. Suddenly the pit opens and he is pulled to the surface of the earth where his chain is removed. Satan knows prophecy better than anyone on earth, and he knows his time is short before he is doomed forever in hell. The only revenge he can get on God is to destroy as many people as possible before that happens. He loses no time in going out to deceive the nations once again. The Bible does not tell us whether he takes on the form of a man or how he deceives people. Technology would certainly be advanced, and he will most obviously take full advantage of this to spread his message of deception to unregenerated hearts. We don't know how long a period it will be before he gathers an army in one final attempt. As you notice, it was the battle of Gog and Magog again, just as it was in the tribulation period. So this was obviously a spirit that comes back to try to inspire people to rebel against God. But as a created being, Satan is no match for the creator of the universe. He is banished to hell forever, and the rebellious humans who joined him in his futile conquest are destroyed with fire from heaven. This event may be similar to the manner in which Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed. There is much speculation on the location of hell as the lake of fire. Some have, have suggested that the sun or a black hole in space might be hell. But there will be total recreation of the universe, so our current sun it would be an unlikely sight. Now we're going to take a quick break, and you can find out how to be witnesses in 140, 177 different countries around the world. We will be right back. We hope you are enjoying today's show. We believe that God has given us a voice to impact communities and regions all over the world. If you would like to make sure that voice is heard, please partner with us today by visiting www.expressionradio.org and click donate. You can also text give by texting the dollar amount followed by the word radio to the number 84321. First time text givers, please choose Expression Church of Huntington when prompted. All gifts are tax deductible. Join us as we change the world.
Welcome back. We have been discussing the possible location of hell. A more likely explanation, and one that would seem to be supported by science, is that hell is in the center of the earth. In Luke 16, 19-31, Jesus tells the story of a beggar named Lazarus and of a certain rich man who is not named. Lazarus and the rich man both died and were in a place that was divided into two parts. Lazarus was in a place of comfort and rest known as Abraham's bosom, while the rich man was in torment and flame. Each was able to see and communicate, although Abraham spoke for the beggar, there was a great gulf between them. Now notice that this was not a parable because the people are named. When Jesus was speaking of his death, he compared it with Jonah being three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish. He said, So will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Matthew twelve forty. The Apostle Paul wrote that Jesus went into this place immediately after death. Therefore, he says, When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? Ephesians 4, 8 and 9. It is thought by most Bible scholars that at this time Jesus brought paradise, part of what was known as Sheol, or Abraham's bosom, into what is now heaven, and then left hell in the center of the earth. That is a discussion for another time, but we know that paradise is now a part of heaven. The Apostle John, when he wrote the book of Revelation, saw the martyrs slain during the tribulation under the altar in heaven, according to Revelation 6.9. One of the strongest verses to support all of this is found in Ephesians 2, 9 and 10. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. Those who die in Christ go to heaven, while those who die without him go into the earth to hell. Many years ago, a man who was a pastor that I know personally was offered the opportunity to be part of an exploratory team of the Bermuda Triangle. This area was reputed to cause the mysterious disappearances of ships and planes and to scramble the navigational systems of both. Names and some details will be admitted to protect the people involved. The captain of the submarine and crew asked the pastor to accompany them for spiritual support. When the submarine reached the designated area, there were many sightings of UFOs, or UAPs as they are now called, which are unexplained aerial phenomena. But the most astonishing event occurred when the team sent a diver to the ocean floor to explore a mysterious region there. After a short time, the diver yanked on the rope that was the signal that he wanted to return to the surface immediately. When they pulled the diver on board, he was shaking and terrified, unable to talk other than to say over and over, I will never go down there again. I will never go down there again. Finally, the pastor was able to calm the diver down enough to get him to explain what happened. The diver said, When I was there, I felt myself being pulled down to the ocean floor at certain points. But what terrified me most was that I heard what sounded like the dragging of chains and the most unearthly screams I have ever heard. The pastor had always taught that the ocean floor was the roof of hell, so this seemed to corroborate his theory. Wherever hell is, it is definitely not the place anyone wants to go. 
Once Satan is finally and permanently defeated and cast into the lake of fire, there is a final resurrection of souls who have not yet received the judgment of their lives and eternal destinies. This is called the great white throne judgment. Then I saw a great white throne judge, great white throne, and him that sat on it, whose face, who, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one, according to his works. Then death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Revelation 20, 11-15. This judgment will include many groups of people, some from the earliest ages on earth. All of the unrighteous dead, from the time of Cain, the first murderer, throughout the years until the end of the millennium, are included. Those who died before Christ and who rejected the judges and the prophets, those who rejected Jesus throughout the church age or in the tribulation, and those who were not genuinely converted during the millennium will all be at this judgment. Notice that it says, the books will be opened. Each person who has ever lived on earth has a record of all of his deeds on earth, his words and actions, his motives and thoughts. The person himself is the one who produces this evidence by which he will be judged, so there can be no dispute as to the accuracy of the evidence. God will be able to replay every moment of the individual's life in an instant to either justify him or condemn him to an eternal hell. There will be no witnesses, no lawyers, and no plea bargains. The person's own life determines his destiny. God is a God of integrity and justice. Even the condemned will be forced to see his fairness in their judgment. No one will be able to say that they were treated unfairly after being presented with every detail of his or her life. Those who have been in hell up until this time are suddenly pulled there from, from there into a great judgment hall. They go from darkness and pain into light and a temporary reprieve from their torment. Most of the ones there will know why they were in hell, but some will probably try to negotiate with God as to why they should not return. They will be silenced by the sheer weight of evidence that is against them. One group is at this judgment who will be who will be spared the torments of hell, those who were truly servants of Christ during the millennial reign. They will be permitted to enter heaven and will most likely receive their glorified bodies at this time. This is also the judgment when the angels who rebelled against God before time began will be judged. Since angels are not created in God's image and are not redeemed by Christ, they are judged by their loyalty and service to God. The Apostle Paul says that we shall judge angels according to 1 Corinthians 6.3. Apparently, the saints of God will have a say in the judgment of these created beings. I cannot imagine the despair of a person who will be judged at this time and sentenced to, te- to hell for eternity. There is no hope, no, advance for a, no chance for a pardon or a lessening of the sentence. At this point, time will cease to exist and eternity future begins. 
John states that those who are cast into hell experience the second death. The first death was a death on earth, but this will be a continual death experience that never ends. Only God knows the individual experiences that each person will have in an eternity without Him. Once all of the judgments have been completed, the books are closed and each human being assigned to their eternal destinies, then God turns His attention once again to the universe. For thousands of years, it has been polluted by sin, first through Lucifer and the rebellious angels who followed him, and then by the humans who sinned against the Lord. The earth and everything within it has been corrupted by sin of men and demonic entities. It is far from the perfect universe that God originally created. While John Milton's book, Paradise Lost, was the, glory in poet, was the story in poetry of the fall of man, the Bible is the story of paradise lost and regained. Though the perfect setting for mankind was ruined by his disobedience toward God, it would not remain that way forever. A Redeemer appeared, and eventually paradise will be regained. John was shown the vision of eternity future and the glorious redemption of man and the universe. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride and adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Revelation 21, 1-4. I have jokingly said to God that the most unhappy verse in the Bible is Revelation 21, 1, where it says that there shall be no more sea. I am very much a beach lover, as are many other people. But since there is going to be a new universe, I'm sure that there will be some place in the universe that we can go to visit and promise that we will be back in time for church. The Apostle Peter wrote of the renovation of the earth and of the heavens in his second epistle. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in them will be burned up. Therefore, since all of these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and shortening and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells, Second Peter 3, 7, 10-13. I can't imagine standing off and just watching the entire universe burn to a crisp and then suddenly be renewed, but that is what we are going to see. The Lord does not do away with the earth and the heavens. Instead, he renovates them by purging them with fire and removing all traces of sin that corrupted them. They are returned to their previous state of perfection and ready for the saints to enjoy their beauty. 
Chapter 21 of Revelation describes the beautiful new Jerusalem that will replace the old city of Jerusalem that was on the earth. It descends out of heaven and is placed in the heart of Israel as the wedding gift to the bride of Christ. Some have taught that the city itself is the bride, but Jesus is not married to a city. He is married to people. The city has four gates, each one a solid pearl, and twelve foundations of precious stones. There is no need for a temple or for the sun or moon because the Lord himself and his glory is the light. Revelation 22 describes the river of life and the tree of life, both of which are freely given for all to enjoy. The residents of the city will see God face to face, and they will live forever in peace, joy, and fellowship with God and with all the saints throughout the ages. What a beautiful, wonderful plan that God has for mankind from the very beginning. Nothing that this life has to offer is worth missing out with an eternity with Jesus. The Apostle Paul wrote this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us, Romans 8.18. We can only imagine what heaven will be like. But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. 1 Corinthians 2.9 If you do not know Jesus, today is the day to ask him to forgive your sins and to be your Lord and Savior. It is a choice that you make that will give you the future that you cannot even imagine that is so wonderful. Until that time, keep looking up and listen for the trumpet. He's coming soon. We hope you are enjoying today's show. We believe that God has given us a voice to impact communities and regions all over the world. If you would like to make sure that voice is heard, please partner with us today by visiting www.expressionradio.org and click Donate. You can also text give by texting the dollar amount followed by the word radio to the number 84321. First time text givers, please choose Expression Church of Huntington when prompted. All gifts are tax deductible. Join us as we change the world.